Hi, and welcome to this week's edition of the Ocean View Podcast. No matter where you're at in our country or around the world, we thank you so much for taking the time to listen. Now sit back and enjoy this week's message. Well, if you're visiting with us, I'm excited you're here because we start a brand new message series this week um, entitled, Why Do We Do That? And I love these kind of message series um, because there's a lot of questions in the church. There's a lot, if you're brand new, maybe you've not come to church a lot and maybe you don't understand a lot about church, um, a lot of people in the church use terms and phrases and talk about things that happen in church and we kind of nod our heads because we maybe have heard that term before growing up or maybe our parents have shared that term. But if we were really honest, we would probably have the question and, and say, why do we do that? Why, why does that happen? Um, I, I, don't, I mean, I, I hear it and I nod, I say amen, and, but I really don't understand it and it's never really been explained. And, and we don't dare ask questions because we don't want to look foolish. We, we don't want to sit there and look at someone and admit that we don't necessarily understand all the dynamics surrounding this term. And so what ends up happening is, is that we end up becoming foolish because we maybe go to church services all of our life and we have a very fundamental question and we've never asked it for fear of how people will think of us. And so what we thought we'd do over the course of the next four weeks is to tackle four different major aspects of the Christian church and to be able to explain it bare bones, everything about it so you can truly know why we do what we do. And today is, is, a, is a very churchy term. But there's a word that the churches throw around that's called salvation. And a lot of us hear this term and we're like, and, and a lot of you nod your heads and you're like, well, that's simple. But if I were to ask you to define what truly is salvation, every aspect of it, there'd be a lot in this room that might go, well, I don't know if I know everything or I don't know if I could clearly state it. And um, I know what that feels like. I, I grew up in the Catholic church. I, I, I served mass six days a week. Uh, yes, I got up early in the morning and, and my mom had me at church at six in the morning. I would serve mass and, and I would go to school afterwards. And, and I knew if you go to a liturgical service, if you go to a Catholic church, I know when to kneel, I know when to stand, I know when to ring the bells. I, I know everything about it. And maybe you can relate to that. And I remember going into high school and I had a dear friend of mine who, who really cared about me and they invited me to go to a lunch with a pastor. And basically, I remember going to Burger King at that time and I remember sitting down, I was in high school, Burger King was awesome. And so I went there and, and uh, got my Whopper and I'm sitting at the table and this guy looks over and he goes, hey, Terry, he says, um, you know, tell me about your faith. And I said right away, well, I'm Catholic. And he said, well, great. He said, um, he said, can you tell me a little bit about what you believe? So I basically kind of went off because I could realize, okay, I, I've been set up. I've got this pastor here who's, you know, going to talk to me and I'm already in the defensive. And I had my answers because growing up in the Catholic church, I, I, the one thing I could articulate was, was the bare bones bottom message. And here's what I said. I go, well, here's the truth that, you know, that God was in the garden of Eden with uh, Adam and Eve and, and it was perfect, you know, and everything was perfect and it was great. And then Eve went ahead and blew it and she sinned guys, right? No, I'm just teasing. I'm just teasing. No, I'm teasing. Adam was right there with Eve. They both sinned. They both basically introduced sin. And, and here's the truth. If you're, if you're bare bones basic Christianity, God's picture, his desire was to be with his creation at all times. His desire was to have fellowship with his creation, to be in the garden, to be able to hang out with us, to be able to talk with us, for us to walk side by side. He created us for that. And he created perfection. And then all of a sudden, Adam and Eve, they go ahead and they sin. And because of that sin, they took what was perfect and what was life, 
And they introduced sin, which then basically separated us from God. So I looked at this guy and I, I talked about the Garden of Eden and talked about sin. And I was kind of, you know, filibustering because I was reaching for answers. And I said, so Jesus Christ died on a cross so that I could have life. And that's what I said. And the guy looked at me and says, Terry, that's a great answer. That's a really great answer. And the next question he asked me really threw me for a loop. In fact, it got me angry. It got me defensive. He said this, what else do you believe? And I, I said, excuse me? He says, well, tell me more about your faith. Tell me more about that answer. And I said, I don't want to talk about it anymore because I really didn't know anything. You see, the truth is, and, and this is just my Catholic church of where I grew up with, I remember learning a lot about the fact that Jesus Christ died on a cross for me. But if you were to ask me anything else about the Bible, I was clueless. I really didn't have a really great understanding of my faith. So here's what he said. He said, Terry, he said, I don't mean to offend you. At the end of the lunch, he could tell I got defensive. And he said, I, I don't mean to, to really irritate you. He says, and I apologize. He goes, but he says, here's something that I want to remind you. He said, if your faith is the most important aspect of your life, don't you think you should know more about it? And I remember I was mad but it really changed the direction of my life because I'll never forget that question because no matter what, at the end of the day, he was right that if my faith is the most important thing to me, that I should know more about it. And he said this, he said, Terry, because if you know more about your faith, it will lead to a better life, a better future, and a better purpose. We said our goodbyes and, and I kind of left, and, and, uh, but that really changed me. And maybe you're sitting here today and maybe if I were to ask you today, besides Jesus, what do you know about your faith? You might look and say, I don't know much. So if that's you, I encourage you to come every week for the next four weeks because we're going to tackle some major theological issues that are very, very basic. But I promise you next week we're going to talk about baptism and I promise you you're not going to want to miss it because we're going to be able to celebrate an incredible, incredible thing. I won't, I don't want to, I'm going to tease you, so you have to come back next week. But here's what we're going to do in the message. It's very different today. Um, what I figured I would do is put myself in your shoes. And, and if you're sitting there saying, Terry, tell me more. I want to know everything about salvation. I want to, know, I want to make sure that I don't miss anything. I want to make sure that I got my, my, it right, because I really kind of never read the Bible. I, I really listened to what my dad said, or I listened to what a pastor said. And you've heard me, if you've been at this church a long time, don't trust me. Now, Yes, I read the Bible and I share it with you, but what you should really trust are the words from the Bible that really are the truth. That's what you should be learning from. And so if you're sitting there and you're saying, Terry, here are some questions about salvation I have. I went ahead and wrote them down and we're going to walk bit by bit through a bunch of questions about salvation. So in order to do this, we're going to ask the first question. And here it is. What is salvation and who needs it? What is salvation and who needs it. As I articulated earlier, obviously God in the Garden of Eden, he went ahead and created perfection. And God's desire, if you really want to know the heartbeat and the character of God, God's desire is to have fellowship and relationship with his creation. And guess what? Whether you believe it or not, you're his creation. Yes, you have a dad. Yes, you have a grandparent. And yes, you have a family. But here's the truth. All the way down, you are God's creation. And his greatest desire is to have relationship with you. But then we messed up. And Adam and Eve, they introduced sin. And then there's important, something really important for you to understand about sin. And I'm going to take you to the Bible and to the pages of the Bible and clarify some misconceptions in the world today because we're going to go directly 
to these scriptures. Take a look at this. This comes from Romans 3.23. It says, for everyone has sinned and we all fall short of God's glorious standard. God's standard was perfection and we all fall short. Now, there are some of us in this room that you think, well, wait a minute. No, I'm good enough. No, I'm a good person. I don't lie. I cheat. I don't do some of the things that some of the people I see on TV. So I'm good, God. No, everyone, whether you believe it or not, you need to understand that you are all sinners. I'm a sinner and we all fall short of that. Every single one of us. Now, if you don't believe me, that comes from the Bible. And so that's fine. You don't have to believe me. But if you don't believe the Bible and you don't believe me, then what do you believe? Because there's a lot of people who walk around with a lot of things that they believe. But the question I have is the truth. Here's another truth about that statement. What is salvation and why we need it? We need it because the wages of sin is death. And that comes from Romans chapter 6, verse 23. You can write these down and go back to them. But for the wages of sin is death, which means this, that when Adam and Eve messed up, now you might say, well, I wasn't Adam and Eve. And I would say, tough, sin entered the world. You're a sinner, I'm a sinner. There's no one perfect in this room. So your sin leads to something that comes all the way over here. It separates us from God and it leads to something really messy, which is called death. We're all going to die. Boy, Terry, this is a pick-me-upper message. Thank you. We're all going to die. We're all separated from God. And because of that, when we are born into this world, the way this culture reacts is we are born and every single one of us are going to die. That wasn't the original plan. God wanted us to be in fellowship with him for eternity. That wasn't what life was supposed to be. But because of sin, we now live in a world that all of us face this every day. It's a clock. In fact, if you look around, you see some that are closer to this. Go ahead and point them out. No, I'm just teasing. Don't do that. Don't do that. You get in trouble. People don't like that. But it leads to death. Now, Here's the truth. There's a lot of you that might agree or disagree with that statement because in our world today, there's a lot of people who really wonder about sin and what sin is. In fact, maybe you can identify with some of these people when asked the question, what is sin? Take a look at the screen. What is sin? It's <laughs> a good question. There's no perfect definition to it. Sin is a moral religious decision. I haven't really explored it for myself. To be honest with you, I don't know what sin is. I think it's a personal opinion. I'd say sin is what you feel. You know what I mean? If you feel that you done did wrong, then that's that's sin, you know? It's just bad. <laughs> sin is bad. Doing something that you know is wrong. If you know that it's wrong, they know that it's, that it's wrong. Sin is when you do something that you know is wrong. When you do something that's uh, contrary to what you believe. Do you think that there are some sins that are worse than other sins? Is it all the same? Uh, yeah. Personally, I feel some sins are worse more than others. The quick answer is yes. My Catholic answer would be yes, there's mortal sins. And yeah, so, yeah. Tell me which ones are worse than the others. Um, I would think that killing somebody would be a worse sin than lying to your parents about something. Killing someone. Killing another man. Committing adultery. Theft. Uh, rape. Blaspheme. Blaspheme, that's what I would say. To sit there and say there's not a higher power. That's the ultimate sin. Killing people is worse. Yeah, it's a lot worse than telling a little white lie, I think. Uh, I don't know. Yeah. If a sin is a sin, then it's a sin. Sin is sin no matter way, no matter how you look at it, sin is sin. You either sin or you don't sin. Is there any consequences for sin? I think so, yes. I don't know. I don't know about that. Yeah, it's called karma. It happens to us every day. I, I kind of feel in a karma that what comes around goes around. Whether right. it's a little 
slam the finger in the door or, or if it's a financial bond or whatever, you know what I mean? So if you do evil, it might not come back to you right away, but eventually it will. Is there any consequences for sin? I think so, yes. I think it affects the afterlife. In what way? Tell me a little bit about that. I don't think we can know. I don't believe in a heaven or hell, but I think it would be different for everybody. Consequences. That's not for me to perceive, and that's not for me to judge, really. Who am I to judge you for your sins, or, you know, for my, me for mine? I'm not here to judge who sins and who not sins, you know what I mean? Do you think you're a sinner? Uh, sure, sure. Uh, I don't think I'm up there in the... the the worst sinners, you know, I feel there's some are worse than others. I'm a sinner on little things, but not big things. I guess I am, because I'm not perfect. Do you sin? I'm sure I have, yeah, so everyone does it every once in a while. Do you sin? I do. Um, how often? Every day? Every week? Every day. Daily. It's ridiculous, but yeah. I probably sin multiple times today. Every day I go to work. Every day I walk out the door. Are you sinning right now, by any chance? No. Is everyone a sinner? I don't, I wouldn't know. Everybody has some kind of sin. We all was born into sin, so we all sinners. You can go through the lights up, guys. Here's the truth of the matter. Whether you believe, and you might identify with a lot of the statements that were said in that video, and, and there's a lot of emotions that go to that. Some of you that are Christians, you go, oh, I can't believe in this now. Here's, here's the truth. That's our culture today. And you might be sitting in here and you might have that thought about sin because maybe you've been in a church and maybe you've not understood it or maybe, like I said, because you've seen different actions or maybe Christians or different things, you've been confused about what sin is. Let me set the record straight. If you believe that God exists and you believe that the Bible are the words of God and you actually believe that that's the formation of truth, let me share very, very articulately the truth about sin. Sin drives a wedge between you and God whether you think you deserve it or not. Whether you think you deserve it, whether you think you should have it, here's the bottom line fact, that it drives a wedge between you and God and it ultimately leads to death. Now, some of you might say, well, I don't believe in all of us. Yes, sin separates all. Sin separates all and leads ultimately to death. Now, I did that on purpose because some of you in this room, you might be thinking, well, what kind of God is that? I mean... That's kind of a mean God. In fact, you probably or maybe have asked this question or say, God, I don't understand how you could allow that to happen. God, I don't understand why you would do something like that. I mean, the children, God, how you could allow something that horrific to happen to that child and for that child to die. I don't understand. In fact, you might have asked the question like this. What kind of God sends his people to die? What kind of God can do that? Well, here's the truth. What I love about the Bible, and I've read the Bible several times, what I love about the Bible is it shows the character of God. And if you've read the Bible through entirety, Old Testament, New Testament, and you're able to read those in the prism together, you can see very clearly the character of God. And the character of God is, did God want any of us to die? The answer is no. Did he want any of the crimes that we see on TV to happen? No. Did he want any of the disasters that we see happening in the world to happen? The answer is no. When a child dies horribly, does God want that to happen? The answer is no. Because ultimately he wanted us in life. He wanted us with him at all times in perfection. But because of sin, it has led to the world we live in, which is here. So what kind of God would allow us to die? A God who loves us. Because he's going to do something and I want to show you something and I want you to write it down. Because God saw the same problem we do. God saw death like we did. And he didn't want his creation to suffer that. And so God 
from his own words, is going to say, this is how much that kind of God loves us. Take a look at this. It's come from one of our anchor passages, John three sixteen. For this is how God loved the world, that he gave his one and only son, so that everyone who believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. Now, here's the thing. Christians, we, we go and we replace that word everyone with a lot of different things. We say, for God so loved the world, he sent his only son so that people who go to church all the time will have eternal life. No, that's not what that scripture says. See, we like to all of a sudden play with that and we like to put other words. In the original language, that means all. That means good people. That means bad people. That means people who lie a lot. That means people who cheat a lot. That means people who murder that God so loved them and so loved you and so loved me, that means the lousy dad, that means the lousy mom, that means the lousy kid. Yes, for God so loved all of his creation, even those that are sinners, that he sent his only son so that everyone, in other words, anyone can have the opportunity to say, Jesus, I want you. See, what God did in this wedge and in this gap is he inserted Jesus. And it's as easy as I can put it. That he went ahead and he sent Jesus down to die on the cross to bridge the gap so that when we die, we will be reunited and restored with God. It's as simple as that. Now, we're going to talk a little bit more about that in just a second. But the first thing that everyone has to understand is it is available to everyone. In fact, Romans 10, 13 says this, for everyone who calls on the Lord, the name of the Lord will be saved. God put Jesus in the wedge and in the gap. Now, here's the incredible thing. You can tune out after this and you can go to sleep for the next 15 minutes, but I want you to write this down because this is where I just go, I can't believe the God that I serve. And I want you to write this down. The greatest act of love in the history of mankind saw a perfect creator die for his perfect creation. At the end of the day, here's what happened. The greatest act of love in the history of mankind saw a perfect creator, God, die for his imperfect creation. You want to know how powerful this moment has? You imagine dad's in the room, imagine your son to die for a murderer. And you tell me how that feels. Because Jesus died for all. So now I know the next question, because some of you are sitting there and saying, well, Terry, I mean, for everyone? Yes, everyone. But wait, surely there are some that it doesn't equate to. Well, you're right. In fact, the next question I would have about salvation is this. Are there any sins that are unforgivable? I love asking that question because everybody kind of leans forward a little bit because you're like, I know my sins and do they fall into this category? Yes, there is a heaven and yes, there is a hell. The Bible tells us that. And yes, there is a sin, one sin that is unforgivable. But just to remind you, of the character of God. This is John three sixteen, and it continues on. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes everyone in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into this world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. In other words, he didn't send Jesus for us to be able to look at it and say, well, I'll never measure up to Jesus, so I guess I'm gonna die. No, no, no. He sent Jesus to die to cover us so that we could have life. But now, if you wanna know the answer to the question, what is that one sin? Here is that one sin. It comes from Mark 3, 28 and 29. I tell you the truth, all sin and blasphemy can be forgiven. But anyone who blasphemies the Holy Spirit will never be forgiven. This is a sin with eternal consequences. Now pause. 
give you a little hint. In two weeks, we're actually going to talk about the Holy Spirit and what the Holy Spirit is. So I don't have time to unpack the Holy Spirit today. Good luck on me if I can figure that one out. But many of you in this room, you're looking at a churchy word that says blasphemy. And right away, if you've not been in church much, you're like, I don't know what the heck that is. I get it. Because guess what? Most of the Christians around you don't get it either. So let's define what blasphemy is. Because basically it says anybody who blasphemies against the Holy Spirit, it's an unforgivable sin. Let's define it. Blasphemy is this, speaking against God. So if you want to take a note, write it down. Blasphemy is speaking against God. So anybody who blasphemies against the Holy Spirit, and by the way, in week three, we're going to talk about Holy Spirit is Christ in you, that if you're a Christian, you have the Holy Spirit. It's Jesus, basically. And so anybody who speaks against God and who he is, in other words, blasphemy is speaking against who he is, speaking against what he did, speaking against what he's about. So anybody in this world that basically comes to the point, says, I don't believe he's God. I don't believe his son is Jesus. I don't believe what Jesus did mattered. I don't believe any of that makes sense. If you're an individual in this room and you say, you know what? I don't believe in Jesus. That is the only unforgivable sin. In fact, blasphemy in simple terms is an unbelief in God. It's an unbelief in God. It's hard to believe that the only unforgivable sin is the sin of unbelief. Now, here's the good news about this. Because there are some of you sitting in this room who you feel there is no way that God can forgive me for what I've done. There's no way that God wants to spend any time with me. Do you realize, and I just want to be very clear, there are two things I want you to understand. If that's you in this room, number one, God loves us so much that all he wants is to be with us. That's the character of God. So if you sit there and think God is mad at me, he is far from me, he doesn't want anything to do with me, that lies in the face of God's word because that's not what God's word says. He wants to be with his creation at all times. That's why he sent Jesus to die. And if the only unforgivable sin is the sin of not believing in who Jesus is, then if you are a liar, a thief, if you've murdered, if you've done any of those actions, but yet you say, I do believe in Jesus, I do believe he's the son of God, and I do believe that he is the way to heaven. If that's you, then you have to fight every day against the feelings that you're going through because they are lies. Now, there's a lot in this room, and I'm going to clear this up. and gets a little sticky because like, so Terry... All I have to do then, the only thing I have to do is just believe that Jesus is Lord? Well, yes. But there's some of us in this room, including me when I was younger, that used to ask this question, and it's a question a lot of us do. What do I have to do to go to heaven? Terry, what do do I have to do? What do I have to do? And if that's you and you say, okay, give me the secret sauce. I just, you know, I heard all this, but what do I have to do? I want you to write this down and write it very clear. You don't have to do anything. God already did. You don't have to do anything. There is nothing that you can do to bridge this gap. There is nothing. That, now, let's be honest. In this room, a lot of us as Christians, we know this and we nod our head, but we live our lives like this because watch what we do. We know we're sinners and when we mess up, we go, oh, so our goal as Christians in our mind is, okay, I got to get better. All right, because I'm far away from God right now and he's in heaven. And so on the scale of death and life, I'm all the way over here. And so I'm, I'm going to be a better dad. And oh, I feel good about myself, which means I'm closer to God. 
And so, oh, I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a better husband. Oh, I'm a better, I got a better marriage. Oh, I'm going to church. And what we do is we think that life is about being on a scale that, you know, okay, I'm getting closer to heaven. I'm getting closer to heaven. I'm getting closer to heaven. And that makes us think that when we make mistakes, oh, I don't know if I'm going to heaven because I'm being a louse right now and everything else like that. That's not how it works. There is nothing you can do to earn your way over there. But yet we live our lives every day thinking that we can earn our way over here. In fact, you don't believe me? If you grew up in a Catholic church, if you grew up in a liturgical church, and if you grew up believing if you're a good person, you'll go to heaven. If you're a bad person, you'll go to hell. I'm going to debunk that because this passage of scripture is in your Bible which is in our Bible, because I used to use that one. Well, that's what they all say, but it's not in my Catholic Bible. No, no, no. This passage is in the Catholic Bible, any liturgical Bible, it's there. And if you ask a priest in town what this scripture means, they will tell you what I'm telling you what it means. And you're going to go, really? And they're going to go, yes. Take a look. This is Ephesians 2, 8, and 9. It says this, God saved you by his grace when you believed. And you can't take credit for this. It is a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we've done so that nobody can take credit or boast about it. It's that simple. If you have lived your life thinking that Christianity is about being good enough to get to heaven, you are being misled because that's not what it means to have eternal life. You can't do anything to earn your way. You want to know what you need to do? It's very simple. It's something that my father did before he passed away. And I thank God for it. And I hang on to it. And this comes from the book of Romans, chapter 10, verse 9. It says this, if you openly declare that Jesus Christ is your Lord, which means this, he is Lord. What does it mean to be a Lord? It means that my decisions are not my decisions, that I live my life because he's my Lord. How does God want me to live my life? What does God's word say about how I'm to behave and how I'm to act? If I'm a dad, what does God's word say and call me to as a father? If I'm a husband, what does God's word say how I'm supposed to act and behave as a husband? If he truly is my Lord, then I go to his word and I live my life based on what he says. And if you do and openly believe he's your Lord and believe in your heart God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. The gap will be closed and you will be able to have eternal life. For it is believing in your heart that you're made right with God and it's openly by declaring your faith that you are saved. If you're taking notes, write this down. You cannot earn something that's given freely. You can't earn something that God gave to you. All you have to do is say yes and begin living your life the way God calls you to live. Now, here's the great thing about it. You can sit here today and say yes to Jesus. And you can say, you know what? I'm going to do that. I'm going to be a better dad. I'm going to be a better mom. I'm going to be a better uh, parent. You could do that. And if you mess up in a week, don't do this. Well, there I go again. So I'll just chuck the whole thing. Don't do that. The great thing about it is, is if you receive Jesus as Lord, you're good. You will be in eternity. And then from then on out, you live a life trying to honor him every day. In fact, you live a life of faith. And faith's a tricky word because many of you heard this, live a life of faith, live a life of faith. Do you want to know the definition of faith? It's in scripture. This comes from Hebrews 11, chapter one. Faith shows the reality of what we hope for. And it's the evidence of things we cannot see. Leave it there, guys, for just a second. So I want to explain this. Faith shows the reality that Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior. 
If you live a life of faith, that means in your actions, in your tone, in the way you make decisions, you live a life of faith when other people can see Jesus in you. Because you're living a life for the thing you hope for, life eternal. And so when you live your life knowing that that's where you're going to be, you reflect it. In fact, it's the evidence of the things we cannot see. It says it even better in this verse, John 5, 13. I have written this to you who believe in the name of the Son of God so that you may know you have eternal life. Here's the bottom line. Faith displays the reflection of God. You want to know you're secure? You want to know, am I a Christian? Am I not a Christian? It's very, very simple. If you have received Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior and you live a life that reflects the fact that there is a heaven. Now, it doesn't mean you're perfect. It doesn't mean you're going to make mistakes. It doesn't mean you're going to backfall. It doesn't mean you're going to have a horrible season in your life. That doesn't change the fact that you will have eternity. But there's a big difference from saying, yeah, I believe in Jesus and living life the way you want every day of your life and saying, yes, I believe in Jesus, and living your life the way God intended. I close with this, because here, some of us are sitting back and we're saying, okay, I'm good. I I get it. I have Jesus. I'm awesome. I want to remind you of something. Because salvation is directly about eternity. We know this. But there's something more to salvation. And as Christians, we forget it all the time. If you're taking notes, write this down. Jesus didn't just come to save you from death. Jesus also came to save you for something. Jesus didn't just come to save you from something. Jesus came to save you for something. I think the problem with a lot of Christians is we go ahead and we say, well, we got Jesus. I can live and I can be comfortable. No. Because if you are a believer in Jesus Christ, you know there is a purpose and a mission. And every day that you're close with him, you understand his purpose and mission and you live a better life. At the end of that conversation at Burger King, that pastor looked at me and said, if you have the answer to your faith and you know more about your faith, you'll have a better life, you'll have a better purpose. In fact, for a better life, for a better future and for a better purpose. Being a Christian does give you those things but don't just live a life from. Live a life for. And that life can be so much better. I'm gonna pray in just a moment and we're gonna sing and we're gonna worship one more time, but I just wanna lead you in a prayer. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes with me? With all eyes closed and heads bowed, I know there are some individuals in this room. I sense it in my heart. There are individuals in this room that are struggling. And if I were to ask you, do you know, beyond a shadow of a doubt, if you were to die today, that you would absolutely, without a doubt, go to heaven, you don't know the answer to that question. But if you believe everything that I've shared with you on this stage, and if you look at God's word and say, I do believe in the Bible, and if that's what the Bible says, and if I as pastor have done my job of clearly communicating with it, you've got one or two choices. You can either accept what has been said and make today the day that you fight And you say, Jesus, I'm done with my pride and I want to change. And you could do that today. In fact, in just a moment, let me lead you in a prayer. You don't have to pray it out loud. You can pray it in the privacy of your heart. But if you want today to be the day where you know beyond a shadow of a doubt you have eternal life, you just pray this prayer. Heavenly Father, 
thank you for sending Jesus to die for me. Thank you that I now know there's nothing I can do to earn my way to heaven, that it's a free gift that you gave because you want relationship with me. You want to be with me for eternity. God, thank you that in the Bible it says that you'll cast my sin as far as the east is from the west, which means you will forgive it and cover it with the blood of Jesus. God, I don't have to be perfect, but I do need to start living my life as if you're my Lord. And so dear Jesus, I promise every day to learn more about you. And I promise to try to make wiser decisions. But I thank you that because today in my heart, I truly, truly mean and believe in my heart that you are Lord, that I will spend eternity with you in this room, if maybe you've lived a life and you've just stopped at being saved from, maybe today's the day you say, there's so much more for me and I need to live for Jesus. And so in this room, make that the declaration of your heart. And in just a moment, when we sing, sing from the bottom of your heart, how you truly see Jesus in your life today. Father, I thank you for the decisions that have been made in this room today. I thank you for your love and your mercy and your grace. And I pray that you'd receive the glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Church. Thanks so much for listening to today's podcast. If you would like more information about the ministries at Ocean View, or if you'd like to speak to someone directly, you can visit our website at www.ovbc.org. Thanks again for listening. Have a great day.